You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. To Big Noon Sports. Hello, everyone, on this uh, overcast Thursday afternoon in the state of Alabama. My name is Matt Coulter, a longtime sportscaster here in this wonderful state. Lars Anderson is our co-host, and he's a you know he's a writer, from Sports Illustrated, Bleacher Report. Um, he's working on his thirteenth book now, New York Times bestselling writer. Uh, Lars is with us, and then in addition to that, our producer is Sep. Sepp Shirey, and also uh, want to mention the fact that we are presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Uh, yesterday was an interesting day. We had a great show with uh, as uh, Tom and Roger Schultz joined us. Uh, it was a slow day in the world of sports. Boy, it what a difference 24 hours makes. It's the exact opposite today. The NBA draft is tonight. Brandon Miller is included in that. Uh, Victor Wembanyama. Uh, he'll be the top pick. Uh, I hadn't seen a lot about this. Who's Scooter Henderson? Do y'all know a lot about him? He could go to Charlotte instead of Brandon Miller. That's just the tip of the iceberg as far as the draft is concerned. Then there's Alabama basketball. New commitment. Newer signees. In fact, Brian Passink will be along with us in just a bit to talk about that. And in the, in the midst of all this with the basketball, I'm now hearing rumors. And I think most people listening know I have a pretty strong relationship with Andy Kennedy and UAB basketball. Now there are rumors that he will replace Huggins at West Virginia. And I haven't even gotten to college baseball, Josh Berry, Kevin Harvick. I could go on and on and on. But uh, instead of uh, just, uh, <laughs> I'm going to shut my pie hole. Lars, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing this afternoon, Matt? Ah, fantastic, as always. I'm a blessed man, Lars Anderson. So what can you tell us about these rumors of uh, your your guy, Andy Kennedy, heading to West Virginia? I think that this, you know, how people will just start connecting their own dots. Everyone should know uh, Andy had a very close, close relationship with, with Huggins. Uh, it may go back to the days that Andy was playing. That's how long. But Andy was on Huggins' staff at Cincinnati. He replaced Huggins when he made mistake number, what was it, four or five? I don't know. But uh, he went on there. So, you know, people are saying, okay, all right, let's let's do it. Let's do it again here. Uh, Andy Kennedy will replace Bob Huggins again, who was fired because of his uh, second or third mistake here in the last year. Uh, this one was a DUI. And, he, he wasn't really fired, according to the reports. He just resigned and retired as opposed to going through all that mess. And the mess would have ended in his termination anyway. So I think well, that this, is uh, the connection. And with You've how, got more? Well, with how Huggins went out, I got have a question for you. The fact that he resigned and wasn't fired, and I think that made it sort of easier, right, on the athletic administration there. Sure. So do you think that the exit was somewhat amicable? Because Huggins knew, right? He knew what he had to do. Uh, he wasn't going to fight it. And if it's amicable, or at least somewhat, do you think Huggins would have a say in who is his replacement? Lars, uh, this may be a, a flattering comment to you, but we, we both think a lot alike because that's immediately what I thought. There must not be a rub uh, because obviously Huggins would be you know, he would it's be like the his one to protege. suggest it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He would yeah. suggest that Andy come on. Now, 
uh, not. I don't want to take anything away, away from Andy Kennedy. Andy could get the job on his own merit, too. Let's make sure that uh, we know this. But it certainly helps it if somebody knocks on the door for you. Now, uh, my question is, and Andy's not old, but uh, he is in, what would you say, a little bit past mid-basketball coaching age. He's done a phenomenal job in Birmingham. This is where his life is. Uh, married his wife here, played at UAB, coached at UAB. And he's then, you 55, know, he, FYI. He's 55. So what? he's got 10, 10 years easy. Oh, yeah. I would love for him to stay in the Magic City. But if he wants to get back into the, the Power Five conferences, this that would it. put him in the Big 12. And th- this is it. Um, this would and, probably be his last shot yeah. at a big-time job. Is he ready? I'll ask you. Is is he ready to take that shot, though? Because he really has found his comfort zone right here in Birmingham at UAB. Yeah, um, and he's done such a good job uh, just uh, with the program. And um, you're right. I mean, he's got uh, he's got a lot of ties here to Birmingham. But I think this is an opportunity you can't pass. Um, And, you know, just like every former athlete and every coach, Andy Kennedy is very, very driven. And if he were to um, be offered the job, I I think you have to take it because you have greater resources. You're the flagship school in the state. Uh, I think you, you you can win at West Virginia. We've seen that. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, he, um, his first head coaching position, as you mentioned, it came during the 05-06 season when he was the named interim head coach for Huggins after Huggins resigned. And uh, he was named uh, the Big East Coach of the Year, led the Bearcats to a 21-13 record and a NIT appearance. Um, but, and then he, of course, you know, he had some uh, success at, uh, at Ole Miss and um, so I, I do, I, I think, and I, I think he would be a great hire. Um, what, what do you You're think? What do, what, it, what, do you, what do you think about the job at West okay. Virginia? Uh, just a real quick one, um, you know, one word answer. If offered, he would take it? I Is think where so. you're leaning? Okay. Yes. Okay. Don't you? Um, yeah, I think so. And, and uh, you, you hate to use this as your base, but it is one of the factors. And it's money. You know, UAB can't pay like West Virginia. I mean, we all know that. I don't need to go into any great detail there. Andy's making 900000 a year, which <laughs> that ain't bad money. And then I think he's got some bonuses where Andy's probably making a million a year. Well, what do you think, Lars? West Virginia pay two and a half? Oh, at least. Yeah, two, two so, and I mean, a half, he could triple. He could triple his salary. So, I mean... <laughs> It's not all driven by money. I know Andy well enough to know that isn't true. However, Lars, even if you're making a lot of money, tripling it is significant. Yeah. It's very significant. Now, uh, your question was about the job itself. It's attractive. Yes, you're in a good league. Yes, you've got more visibility in West Virginia, not necessarily um, in, in the state itself, than you do in Alabama. But I, I think you also have to – the biggest factor here, Lars, is I think your ability to recruit. And while Andy's done a great job, the transfer portal with Jelly, um, all the things that he has done, he's got a pretty good nucleus returning for the upcoming season. I just don't know if they call him and they offer, 
Um, it's going to be a tough decision because of his loyalty to Birmingham and the Blazers. But I mean, you look at you look goes. at West Virginia though; they've been to the NCAA tournament uh, since uh, since in twenty fifteen. They were a five seed. Twenty sixteen, three seed. Twenty seventeen, four seed. Twenty eighteen, five seed. And then missed uh, in nineteen in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. In 2021, three seed, and this last March, a nine seed. So, look, I mean, Huggins had success there. There's a reason that Huggins stayed as long as he did, um, because he was he was doing well. He had the program going in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you you can you can definitely win in in Morgantown. Uh, you got decent facilities, good fan support, and again, being the flagship. Uh, the flagship school of the state certainly helps uh, in recruiting. I mean, if any any kid grows up in West Virginia, you would think you'd have the inside track on them, but you never know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, if I'm Andy Kennedy, I would take it. But who else do you have? You heard any other names oh, that are in that, the running? I'd have to do a dive on that because I just started hearing about the Andy Kennedy stuff this morning, so I really haven't. And then if you really want to go deeper, and we would on a slower day, uh, who would replace Andy? But that's really carting the horse here. The NBA draft is tonight. Do you watch the television coverage of this as you do the NFL draft? I do not. No. I'll uh, I'll watch just the very beginning to see, um, you know, who, like, the top three picks are, where Brandon Miller goes. Uh, I still think he's going to go number two, but uh, it remains to be seen. Um, do you watch the NBA draft? Does it intrigue you? I, you just said exactly what I'm going to do. And um, who knows? We may be sitting together watching at the same time, and then we flip it over and watch the College Baseball World Series, which is another topic. How about LSU forcing another game with number one seeded Wake Forest? And that game's going to be played tonight with a winner taking on Robbie Glenn's pick for all of it. And uh, that was Florida. So. Uh, you got that going on. I do, I do want to watch and kind of keep an eye on the draft because I'm very interested to see where Clowney goes. Um, yeah. But also uh, intrigued by uh, angry Chuck Bediaco um, to see if he does indeed go, I would say, mid, mid to late uh, second round. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, uh, speaking of Robbie Glenn, he sent us both a text last night about a sign or a commitment at Alabama. Uh, huge five-star uh, out of... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling <laughs> as, as I try and find it. Um, he sent us that text last night. Big 6'10 power forward yeah. that has committed to Alabama. Um, that and the Nelson kid from uh, North Dakota State. Yep. Up, uh, in your neck of the woods. Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Uh, 6'11", 235. Yeah. Um, last year, shot 52% from the field. Played in 30 games. Averaged 30 minutes a game. He's going to be a key contributor on this Alabama team. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up starting. But we'll get we'll get a lot more on uh, Grant Nelson uh, here with our upcoming guest in a few minutes. I don't know how much he can talk about a, a signee, a commitment. He can talk about signees because we don't want to get young Brian Passink in trouble as far as the 
Alabama and the NCAA is concerned. So might be a good time to take a break and sort that out. Uh, this uh, hour and both hours, in fact, are being sponsored, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Several other stories we're going to get to. How much would a ticket be to the Field of Dreams at Rickwood? Take a guess. Think about that, Lars. You're listening to Big Noon Sports back after this break. To the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Well, summer started officially yesterday, but it's starting to finally feel more like it by the weekend. Not today, though. Clouds hanging tough. Chance for shower and thunderstorm behind your 81. Clearing skies tonight with weather 64. And for Friday, more sun, warmer with a high of 86. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big Noon Sports, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and joined by Crimson Tide Sports Network's own Brian Passink to talk a little Bama basketball. Brian, we hadn't talked to you since the end of the year, end of the season, I should say. How are you, man? How's your family? Doing great. Everybody's good. And uh, to get a call on uh, June the 22nd to talk about Alabama basketball, things are either Really good or really bad? Well, I'm happy to report they're really good. So I appreciate the call. I appreciate uh, the chance to come on and talk Bama basketball in June. Well, nobody better to talk Bama basketball than you because you played there and now you're Mike's side, courtside for every single game. I don't know if you can talk about Jared Stevenson, um, the commitment. Can you? Um, I don't want to. We don't want to cross any lines, and I don't mind just asking you flat out on air. I think I can. And if I can, I blame Aaron Jordan because I asked him and he said, I, he thinks I'm fine. Man, you, uh, know, you know, Aaron was with me when I was at UAP. Listen, Aaron, you got, you're done because I've got more on Aaron Jordan than anybody on the planet. So you are, you are absolutely covered. No, seriously, talk about the commitment from yesterday. Well, first of all, Matt, that makes two of us that have a lot on Aaron Jordan. So uh, he, better, he better watch out. Hey, one of the great guys uh, in athletics yes, absolutely. Is, uh, is now um, promoted and, and still working closely uh, with the basketball team, but other sports at the university. So a, a great guy. And uh, the folks at UAB and Alabama, uh, they, they all know it. But uh, it's, it's just been an incredible offseason for Alabama, going back um, to you know the run to the Sweet 16. Season ended a little earlier than we'd hoped. But still, you, you go to Sweet 16, win an SEC regular season title, tournament title. Um, boy, it's a heck of a year. And I would say one of the best, if not uh, the all-time best team in Alabama basketball history. And when you look at how the offseason started, um, that's typically what happens. When you have great success, which Alabama not only had this year, but has had in recent years, uh, you lose players to the NBA draft, uh, which we'll see, I think, a couple go in the first round tonight. 
Uh, you lose assistant coaches. Um, but for Alabama to lose all three assistant coaches to head coaching jobs uh, is both great for those guys and, and shows you where the program is, but also a little scary when it comes to recruiting and re- keeping your roster intact and getting transfers and, um, you know, just all, all that there is going on this time of year in college basketball. It is not a great time uh, to lose your top assistants and have to hire other assistants. And so for Nate Oates to have the roster that he has right now, which is looks to be very similar to last year's roster uh, with the addition last night to, and, and you know, that specifically to, to get a commitment from a player that has North Carolina um, and Virginia um, you know, a couple of top programs in the ACC that's from that region, that's from North Carolina, to sign with Alabama is it, just something that is unprecedented. I mean, we've seen Wimp Sanderson um, beat some blue bloods on players, but not necessarily from that state. Um, Alabama's lost players to North Carolina from this state. Pete Chilcutt, uh, for, for us old-timers uh, that remember that. Uh, in the the late eighties, early nineties. Wow, are you um, going but, deep, man? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, there's people driving around right now that they're uh, still upset that Pete Chilcutt didn't come to Alabama. Uh, but when he came to Tuscaloosa and Coleman Coliseum uh, for his homecoming game, uh, I thought you were going to have about Walt Dinsmore. Oh wow! Remember Walt? Wow! Oh, listen, I'm getting you <laughs> off track. Get 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 so, back to Stevenson. So, yeah, so to, but to, to, to bring in a player that um, was number one power forward in the class of 24 will apparently reclassify and be a part of this class is just incredible. And, you know, it, it, it just speaks to what Nate Oates has done um, in terms of winning, winning championships, having runs, the culture. Um, but player development and to watch guys like Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney and going back to Herb Jones and Josh Primo, um, Kyra Lewis, what these guys with pro aspirations have done under Nate Oates from a player development standpoint uh, has gotten the attention of some of the best players in the country from all across the country. And that's why when you look at this roster, you see uh, some of the top players whether they're transfers, whether they're incoming freshmen in college basketball. And it's why Alabama basketball fans are excited. They should be excited for what the future holds. Last year's success uh, and, you know, to win, a, I mean, you won a couple of championships two years ago um, with that Herb Jones and John Petty uh, crew. But to be able to do what they did last year and be staring at potentially another great season just shows you that. Alabama basketball is here to stay, uh, and for those of us that love the program, it's a whole lot of fun to be a part of. Well, North Carolina fans are collectively losing their minds over social media right now. Uh, they can't believe that, that Jaron Stevenson got away uh, and signed with Alabama last night, four-star power forward. Um and, uh, and I saw one tweet that since Nate Oates took the job at Alabama, number of lottery picks, UNC one, Alabama two, and it doesn't include Brandon Miller or Clowney, number of draft picks, UNC two, Alabama four. Uh, it's 
pretty impressive. And also given the fact that Stevenson's mom played at North Carolina and he lives just right next to the Chapel Hill campus. So the question is, how did Nate Oates steal him away from North Carolina and, and University of Virginia was hot after him as well? Well, I don't think it happens if Kyra Lewis, Herb Jones, Josh Primo um, don't have the success that they had under Nate Oates in college that helped develop them uh, to become really good NBA players and high draft picks. Um, without those players, you probably don't get Brandon Miller. Um, and because of Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney, Noah Clowney's a great story uh, from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, he nobody projected Noah Clowney to be a one-and-done first potential first-round draft pick, and that's exactly what happens. He's one of 20 players to get um, an invitation to the green room tonight at the NBA draft. And while the focus tonight will be on Brandon Miller, will he go two, uh, to Charlotte? Will he go three to Portland? Um, I think as much as anything from a recruiting standpoint and, and just shows you what Alabama basketball is doing from a player development standpoint, Noah Clowney is an incredible story. Uh, and I'm not sure that you are able uh, to beat North Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas, which we've seen in recent years, Alabama's been able to beat uh, the top programs in college basketball and players because of, um, I think, what guys are doing. And, and when you talk to NBA scouts and executives um, that have a familiarity with Alabama's program, um, you know, they, yeah, they are impressed with the winning, but really what they talk about and what they're most impressed with is the player development that guys – are receiving in Tuscaloosa from Nate Oates and this coaching staff. And that is obviously resonating with some of the top players in the country, and that's why they want to be a part of it. Yes, you want to win, but these guys have aspirations to play in the NBA, and they're getting that chance when they come to the University of Alabama. What can you tell us about the status of Grant Nelson, if you can uh, tell us anything? I, I thought it was a done deal that he was going to Alabama, but now I'm seeing things that – he may go back and go to Arkansas. I think he originally had flirted with Arkansas. Um, he's the 6'11 player out of North Dakota State. And I just, I love his game. Yeah, I, and that's one I, I, I really can't speak to. Um, I, I know you. there's a lot of rumors. Yeah. Um, and, and again, um, you know, there are some players out there. Alabama right now uh, has a couple of spots available. And there are some players in the portal uh, that would be incredible fits in the system that Alabama plays. So time will tell on that. We'll see. Okay, uh, let's switch to the draft really quick. And before um, we uh, start talking about who's going to go number two overall, I wanted to ask you about whether or not it's going to be Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. I wanted to ask you about Henderson and what you know about his game and it, it just, it really surprises me. Like, he's got all the tools to be great, except one thing. He can't shoot the ball. He can't shoot the ball. Uh, last year in the G League, uh, from three-point attempts, he shot 20, 27%. Field goal percentage was 42. That's okay. But on shots from uh, 20 to 24 feet, he shot 30%. Like, I, I just don't understand how someone who has trouble putting the ball in the hole... Uh, could go so high. Is that just a really naive 
take on this? Or, I mean, I'm thinking Ben Simmons here, right? Like Ben Simmons has everything, but he can't make an outside, you know, he can't make a 15-footer. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on Scoot Henderson? Well, you know, I think there's a clarity on who's going, going number one. Um, and then there's clarity on who the second and third pick will be. We just don't know the order of two and three. Um, listen, I, I, I hope uh, you, you talk to the Charlotte Hornets because that's kind of where I, I want Brandon to go, but really just selfishly because I don't want to have to stay up for West Coast games. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's going to be great wherever he goes. Uh, Scoot Henderson, from what I've seen, is I think going to be a great NBA player. Um, I think he has potential to develop as an outside shooter, but with this game, uh, with the inability for defenders at the NBA level to play with the physicality that they did uh, back in the 90s. A guy like Scoot Henderson with spreading the floor and hot pick and rolls can get to the basket. Uh, and and he and LaMelo Ball could play together in this NBA, which maybe you know 15 years ago uh, you, you, you might want one or the other. Uh, but I think he's going to be a great player. I just don't think he's going to be as good as Brandon Miller. I, I think Brandon Miller is going to be a perennial NBA all-star. It's uh, 6'9", uh, can really, at the NBA level, play all three positions on the perimeter. Um, he can play the point if needed, but he's more of a natural wing, uh, a shooting guard, a small forward. At the college le- level, he can play some uh, power forward. Uh, but he, he is a versatile player. Talk about shooting. He's one of the best shooters in the draft at 6'9". Um, you know, that I think his, his athleticism is really good. I think it's an underrated part of his game. I think as he matures and gets stronger, um, that will even get better. But uh, I think Brandon Miller, in a typical year, uh, when you didn't have a seven-foot-five guard that can do everything and a, a generational-type player um, is the projected number one pick, um, you know, they say um, – Wimbenyama, is that right? Am I saying yeah. that right? Uh, yeah, you are. It is, it is the, you know, the, the, the best prospect since LeBron James. Uh, so I think in, in a normal year, we'd be talking about Brandon Miller um, going number one. Yeah. And uh, I think right now his ceiling is number two. Um, and I think it, either way, he's going to be a top three pick and he's going to have a great NBA career. Uh, but if uh, if I had to pick, uh, it's a no-brainer, and um, I'm going with Brandon Miller. Hey, and if, if, if Miller does go to Charlotte, Alabama will officially own, you know, the yeah. two biggest sports, and I've heard the two biggest professional franchise with Bryce Young and Miller together. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, Brian Passink is our guest here on Big Noon Sports. Okay, guys, we, we may have to collectively try and answer this, uh, and I'll pull myself out because I'm asking, and I, I don't know. Scoot Henderson went from Marietta High School in uh, Georgia, obviously, to the G League, okay? Why wasn't he, if he's that good, why didn't he go to the NBA? And then once he was in the G League, how come nobody pulled him up? Um, do you have the answers to any of these, Brian? Do you know how that works? God, yeah, you're not. You, you got to yeah. be a, a year out of uh, high school, so you know the, the options are one year in college um, to play in the NBA, uh, or you can go to 
one of these um, developmental leagues. And so that's what he decided to do. But aren't the developmental leagues owned by the franchises? Like the Birmingham team, the, the squadron is a Pelicans team. But yeah, I guess you yeah, can't I mean, pull him up because he hadn't been out a year. But did, you used to be able to go straight from high school to the NBA, didn't you? Yeah. You did. Yep. Kevin, yep. Kevin and Garnett. Changed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that changed. And, and it's a little tricky now uh, because you've got the G League and then you've got some of these other leagues um, that, that you know, guys choose to go. Um, and, and they were – and they've been gaining some traction lately with guys like Scoot Henderson. Um and that that was a possibility for Brandon Miller. I mean, and that's the tough thing uh, when you're recruiting the best players in the country, uh, which SEC schools are. You're competing not only with other uh, power conference schools and, and great coaches and programs, but you're also competing with uh, developmental professional leagues. I think one of the good um, things with the NIL is if you can go – uh, to the SEC or ACC or, or Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, and and you can um, get developed by some of the best coaches in the country, and, and you can make some NIL money now, which you couldn't uh, before. So I think it will keep some of the the top talent in college basketball, uh, which as a college basketball fan, I think is a good thing. Brian, just to recap, where is Nate Oates right now with uh, his? the number of scholarships he has to offer for this class of 2023? Well, um, as far as I know, uh, just looking at the roster, you've got two spots available. Uh, one is, um, the, you know, there's some pretty heavy rumors about who will fill at least one of those spots. Uh, time mm-hmm. will tell on that. Uh, and then the other, um, I don't know. I, I, I think... Um, you could fill it. You could keep it open for flexibility purposes. Um, when I look at the roster right now, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's already deep. I mean, with 11 and, and hopefully 12 here soon, uh, it's really deep. And it would be difficult to get a, a 13th guy because of playing time. Um, mm-hmm. And but But when I look at this roster, this is a – roster that has a chance to be really good. Now, you've got a lot of new guys. You've got um, a highly touted recruiting class that just got better. Uh, You've got some really talented uh, incoming transfers, some of the the top players in college basketball coming, some players of the year in their conference, all conference players, veterans that will help and hit the ground running immediately. So uh, how those guys mesh um, will be a big part of, of how successful this team is and hopefully it'll be quickly because uh, Nate Oates has, has shown us um, several things over the course of his Alabama career. He's going to win, he's going to um, he's going to recruit at a high level and he's going to play one of the toughest non-conference schedules in the country each and every year. So um, a lot of new faces but a lot of talent and he's been able to mold those Um, types of teams together pretty quickly and that'll be important for this team because the non-conference schedule is starting to come out. We've seen announcements for um, games against um, Arizona, Purdue, um, and then, you know, obviously the SEC schedule and then I think Ohio State and uh, in the Destin area uh, for that Thanksgiving tournament. So uh, the schedule will be brutal, tough, fun, 
uh, and this team is going to be a must-watch once again this season. Brian, as we roll out, out of time here quickly, will Charles Bediaco be drafted? I hope so. Um, I hope so. I haven't seen him on as many uh, draft boards, but I think with his size, his um, development, he got so much better in his second year. Whether he gets drafted or not, I think he, he's going to find himself on a roster and have a chance to make an NBA team. And I hope so, because Charles is a, a great guy. Everybody that knows him loves him. He's a hard worker, and I think he's got nothing but upside, and he's going to get better and better. All right, Brian Passink, thank you. We'll talk to you soon, I'm sure, as basketball season approaches. See you, Brian. Thanks, See you guys. Brian. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Your clothing around town on game days. But check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz in the Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz in the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley. Luxury game day apparel redefined. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Lars Anderson and Matt Coulter with you on Thursday afternoon. This is Big Noon Sports. Appreciate you folks dialing us in and dialing us up. If you want to join the party, just call 205-342-9904. Appreciate the time that we spent with Brian Passink. Lars, just to continue on with the NBA for just a second, I think Brandon Miller is a solid pick. I don't know enough about Scoot Henderson to say that as a matter of fact. But when you come and you work out for Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan is duly impressed, even though I don't think he's the owner of the Hornets anymore. I think uh, he just sold out. But uh, that and uh, then what we saw of his one year at Alabama makes me think he's as good a number two as you're going to find. Yeah, I think he is the – I'm with Brian. I think he's the no-brainer safest pick at number two because just the way the NBA game has changed and Brian alluded to this like you know in the 80s and 90s the game was much more wide open much more physical and uh, it wasn't sort of like uh, you you know it, it wasn't as high scoring right and there wasn't a premium on long distance shooting like there is now it seems almost on every every offensive set 
it comes down to a pick and roll. You either throw the ball to the basket or you, you drive to the basket yourself and then you kick it right out to uh, the wing or, or whoever uh, for a three-pointer or you go hard to the basket. I mean, that is essentially NBA basketball right now. And so you need to be able to hit the long shot in the NBA. It's more important than ever. And now, you know, the, the Hornets are going to be gifted this player who is going to be about 6'9", uh, who has a just a beautiful stroke. He's only going to get better uh, from beyond the arc and just his shooting overall. He's a clutch player. Uh, he plays with confidence. And he's a type of guy who I think, uh, like Brian, I think he's going to be a perennial all-star. And um, they would just be crazy. They would be crazy to pick a point guard who has trouble shooting the ball. I mean, I just, I don't understand. It, I, you know how there are so many times when uh, we've talked about how NFL scouts just overthink it? Like we, like we thought there was a chance that Carolina could overthink Bryce Young just because his measurables aren't uh, prototypical. Well, they didn't. And this, like, don't overthink this. Go with the guy who flourishes in the style of how the NBA is played now and not just hope that Scoot Henderson develops. I mean, Scoot Henderson is going to be a dominant point guard, I think. But may, but if you can't <laughs> if you can't hit the mid-range jump shot as a point guard and you're not that reliable from the free throw line, he shot like 59% uh, from the free throw line in the G League. I mean, it's just those he's the are greatest still, point guard passer in the history of basketball. Those, those are just those, Smith. I mean, yeah, that, that I mean, doesn't those, make those sense are, to me. Those are just scary numbers. If those are scary, because you are counting on them improving. And yes, we have seen guys improve dramatically with their shooting once they get to the NBA, and you know they really are working with shooting coaches and and all this, but. It's not a done deal. I mean, again, look at Ben Simmons, and he was such a highly touted prospect, right? And he, uh, everybody was, everybody was not concerned about his lack of uh, of long distance shooting, of a, of, a, of three point shooting, or free throw shooting, because they just figured that he would develop it. Well, he still hasn't developed it, and it's caused massive problems for him in his career. And I, I just, I wouldn't risk it. If I was the Hornets, it's just too easy. This is a layup. They are. I think they're actually getting better. I think they are getting. Believe it or not, and I'm not saying this just because I live in Alabama, but I think Brandon Miller is going to be a better pro than the kid who's going to go number one overall. Because we've just never seen anything like. I just. I, I would. I worry about him at seven five and playing like you know the three. Uh, is that? his body won't hold up somebody's gonna break him <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's just uh i mean i know you can't compare him to sean bradley but he, but he's almost as tall as sean bradley was seven six right? right uh and they kind of had the same they kind of have the same body build i mean this kid this kid's a little bit thicker but not much um i'm certainly pulling for him he seems just magnetic and very likable but man it's like everybody is is going crazy over him because he's dunking the ball. Well, he's five. He's, he's, he's seven five. Of course, he's going to dunk the ball. He could probably dunk the ball flat footed. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> it's just. Um, I, but I, 
I think he's got a chance, of course, to be a generational player, right? But I just don't know if that's going to happen due to guys with that build tend not to last that long in the NBA. They just don't. And, well, you know, uh, Rick Smith is an example, although he played. Uh, Sam Bowie is the example on the other side. He had constant yeah. problems with his legs and his knees. But then I go back, something Wimp Sanderson told me, he says, you can't coach height. So, guys, seven. I mean, you got five. it. Yeah, I mean, look, San Antonio has to take him. There's no yeah. no doubt about that. But I think Charlotte is getting would get the equivalent of a number one overall pick in most years in Brandon Miller, okay. and I think uh, uh, Victor the Watumba. Or I, I can't say his last name. Um, I think he. Wimanyama. Yeah, he's going to be more of a developmental project. And uh, just because, you know, he is playing in a high league over in Europe, in, in France. And he did lead his team to, he led his, he led his league, again, he led his league in, in scoring, rebounds, assists, and block shots. And these are, this is a good, this is quality basketball players that he's going against. Um, so it, 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 he looks good. But you just you don't know because you haven't seen him over here in the states, right? And uh, see how he does. But there's a long history now of European players coming over and just oh, absolutely yeah. dominating in the NBA. But um, like I said, I, I worry about his knees, his ankles, um, and just his, his feet, uh, and whether or not he. Um, can survive the rigors of you know NBA of the NBA season, which is it's it is a grind. Um, but I, I think Brandon Miller would be the odds-on favorite for Rookie of the Year ahead of this kid, just because I think Brandon Miller is probably a little more polished at this point. But um, yeah, I think I think the Hornets would be crazy to pass on him. And yeah, it'd be pretty cool to have Brandon Miller and Bryce Young leading their franchises in the same city. We need to go and, uh, you know, collect our thoughts and our favors and who people we know in Charlotte and open up an Alabama bar, okay? And that Not way you can get idea. all the NBA guys to come in there and watch the games. <laughs> and you get all the NFL guys to come in there and watch the game. Yep. And then we go home with our big screens and count our money. <laughs> what would you call oh, if only, it? If only life would be so simple. I don't know. That's a good, let, Let's discuss that briefly on the other side of the break. But I also have something I read last night that, as a broadcaster, it just almost made me physically ill. I'll pass along. And it should, it, it should trouble fans as well. I'll get into that. Plus, we'll come up with a name for our bar in Charlotte as we continue here on Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. 
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Well, summer started officially yesterday, but it's starting to finally feel more like it by the weekend. Not today, though. Clouds hanging tough. Chance of shower thunderstorm behind her 81. Clearing skies tonight with a low of 64. And for Friday, more sun, warmer with a high of 86. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson. Appreciate you folks dialing us in. Lars, uh, during a two-minute break, did you have a time to come up with the name of our bar in Charlotte? Uh, not yet. Okay. I, How about I, you? I think, I, well, I don't even know if you can do this, but to use their names. You know, <laughs> Miller and Young. Uh, but I really don't know if you can do that without asking them and getting copyright permissions, all that kind of stuff. But the other, the other idea is let's just go for the most visible person uh, in probably Alabama sports history, just call it Saban's Place. <laughs> uh, I don't think you could do that either. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Matt. I'm having some issues. Oh, uh, okay. If you need to take a pause, just let me know. Um, Wimbledon, Wimbledon, excuse me, uh, Wimbledon. Uh, has decided that they are going to use AI commentary for the upcoming largest tennis tournament in the universe. Uh, first of all, I, uh, I'm, I'm a little, no, I'm a lot concerned about the use of AI. I think that there are certain areas that is uh, very productive. I think there are other areas that are very scary. Um, and here's one, they're, they're using them announcers for some of the other. I mean, this is not going to be what you have on Sunday mornings with your strawberries and, and champagne. They'll use this for, I guess, some of the other ones that are, uh, you know, when a, the 32nd seed's playing the 28th seed, or I guess it's something like that. But here's another thing I heard, Lars, it'll hit very close to home for both of us. And... That's, I heard that there is a remix now of an AI song by AI vocalists and musicians that they're going to be able to recreate Beatles music. You heard that? <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Um, I did see at Wimbledon. I'm not sure I'm for that. No, absolutely not. It's it's amazing where AI is going and already what you can do with it. Um, what if like, it were Pearl Jam? <laughs> no. Um, but at Wimbledon, um, it's right now it's just going to be used for commentary on matches that normally wouldn't have commentators. So like seniors, juniors, wheelchair, 
matches like that. And then it's going to supplement uh, the broadcasters somehow, some way. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe supplying all sorts of facts and figures. And the thing is, here's what's scary is that uh, the technical or the uh, technology director at Wimbledon has said that, hey, you can't replace John McEnroe, but if we wanted to, we could recreate John McEnroe through AI as long as there aren't any uh, issues of uh, any proprietary issues. As long as John would sign, they'd have off to on get it. John. Yeah, he'd have to sign off on it. Yeah, wow. yeah. Um, but and make money. That, as a result, like yeah, of course, he'd have to be compensated very generously. But uh, just the fact that they could figure out a way to have John McEnroe call a match without John McEnroe calling a match is pretty incredible. <laughs> well, it's it's like uh, Lennon and McCartney harmonizing on a song we've never heard by the Beatles. Yep. <laughs> uh, that that troubles me. And then, uh, and I, I think I can speak freely about this, but, uh, you know, our, our market manager, David DuBose, when you and I were meeting with him, he was starting to show us, I mean, what about the political implications of being able to recreate a Joe Biden and have a light voice and send it somewhere? Yeah. You know, that's uh, on a national and, and a security level, that scares us. Uh, as Carl Speckle would say, that scares the bejesus out of me. I just, uh, I'm, I'm frightened by the future, to be honest with you. Um, so, anyway, we did a pretty deep dive on that. You want to talk <laughs> some NASCAR? Let's talk some did NASCAR. You see, you know, this is Kevin Harvick's swan song. You a Harvick guy? I always uh, Not really. Okay. Uh, smart guy, smarter wife. Um, his wife is a marketing genius. But anyway, this is his yeah, last season. I, I, I think I prefer Kevin more than her, actually, <laughs> based a, on my She's a you-know-what buster. She, yeah. yeah, she is. Uh, but uh, they have announced Stuart Haas Racing uh, in his last season. Kevin Harvick will be replaced by Josh Berry. Does that one go, all right, I remember that guy when he raced at Huntsville at the third mile speedway up there in the Rocket City. You remember, do you know Josh? <laughs> I have no idea who that is. I didn't. Uh, now, actually, I knew him uh, uh, from being at Talladega and seeing him on the Xfinity race. And he is a good driver. But he really made the scene nationally, if you will, um, when Chase Elliott broke his leg in the um, snowboarding incident. That's who came on and raced for Chase Elliott. So you got to figure Hendrick Motorsports thinks that highly of him. Then so does Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart doesn't make bad decisions, and you you do like this guy. You know this guy. Yes, absolutely, and uh, definitely trust his instinct and his ability to spot talent. I mean, Tony was as talented as as uh, as anyone. Hey, I did want speaking of Huntsville, I wanted to ask you really quick that after a vote yesterday, it appears that the rocket is uh, doomed, that it's going to be it's going to be dismantled. Uh, the, the rocket that the Alabama Welcome Center on uh, I-65 um, is uh, it looks like it's on the path to being taken down. Uh, NASA says it's deteriorated beyond the point of restoration, but 
um, after a vote yesterday at all, it, the 168 foot tall rocket, it looks like it's definitely coming down. What, what are your thoughts on that being a Huntsville native and in, you know, your dad was involved with NASA? Um, I wanted to keep it, but I, I actually, I think this is in my opinion and in talking to Roy Johnson, AL.com, this, this is kind of old news. I thought the thing had become a safety hazard, and there was no question they were going to take it down. I didn't even know they were still looking into finding a way to keep it structurally. I thought they were going to take it down. I thought we were already into the next move, and that was to be able to raise some funds to put something up similar. And that's where I thought we were. No, I don't. I didn't want to see that one come down, but I understand it's 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 a danger. Bring the darn thing down. I mean, well, I, there, I'm not I'm not that sentimental. There uh, is a group that has not yet yes. surrendered, right? And it's uh, it's a uh, it's it, it's a group that um, is going to pursue Governor Ivey and the Attorney General's office. And this is a bunch of high-powered people saying that it's uh, against the law to dismantle the rocket under the state's 2017 monument preservation law, right? That, that the rocket is protected because it's been in place for more than 40 years. True. So uh, we'll see about that. I mean, Kay Ivey's really into monuments. We, we know that. So uh, maybe she'll be into this one to saving it. Maybe it's just too simple to me. By the way, those the members of that, that group should go get a tent and camp under it for the next year. And when they get hit by a piece of flying metal that's fallen off the top of this rock, it's a dangerous situation. Let's be, come on, cooler heads. Where, where, what, should, what should he do with it then? Just, just dismantle it? it? Yeah, it's got some metal work. Scrappy. Just, you, you, I mean, come on. We don't keep the stuff that falls off our rockets when we send them into space. I know the significance. Believe me, I do. And I appreciate that. Build a replica, people. Come on. Let's not make this a bigger issue than it is and spend lots of money on something that inevitably is going to be dismantled. There you have it from the son of a rocket engineer. Back with the second hour, Mike Ray is going to join us on Big Noon Sports. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisanne thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good, until she got fitted for arch supports at the Goodfeet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Goodfeet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. 
WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. A Town Square Media Station. Hour number two, Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, along with Lawrence Anderson, Seth Shire is our producer today, and he is five days a week. We appreciate his efforts. A lot of topics. NBA draft tonight. Brandon Miller will go number two. That is uh, what we both agree on. Um, I think surrounding that. And then other other Alabama players, Noah Cloudy, Charles Bediaco, to see where they're going to go. And then you have uh, the commitment that is uh, blowing everybody away, especially if you're in the Tar Heel State. That's Jared Stevenson, uh, a four-star North Carolina kid. Huh? Goodbye. Yeah, that, in uh, North, North, North Carolina, Carolina they wanted him bad. Um, and, uh, yes. Doesn't that I, tell I, you a lot about him? <laughs> yes. Well, it tells you a lot about Nate Oates, too, that he just out-recruited uh, North Carolina for a kid who lives right next door to Chapel Hill and whose mom played at North Carolina. I mean, he had every reason, of every reason in the world to go to North Carolina, and he doesn't go to North Carolina. Well, you know I, why? Just yes. real quick, why are these kids? And it, it, it's not just Stevenson. Uh, the Nelson kid brought it up as well, and others have. It's the style of play. It's the fact that he's putting guys into the NBA. Gee. Does that sound familiar to you, Lars? Yeah, exactly. Is there anybody else on that campus that gets five stars because of his style of play and putting people into pro athletics? No, anyway, he does. And cool. and he develops guys. Yes, as true. As, as, as Brian Passick mentioned, um, uh, Noah Clowney arrived as, uh, you know, as a guy with a lot of potential. Well, no one thought he was going to be one and done and into the first round. And that's exactly what happened because uh, I don't know what, you know, whatever happened in practice, <laughs> Noah Clowney developed into an elite player in college basketball last year. Uh, he didn't start out as one, but he ended as one. And, um, and I think guys see that, especially guys who, who are considering or who think that they may be good enough to make that jump to the NBA after one year. And now uh, with uh, Stevenson coming in, uh, he will just jump in and take, uh, I would think, play the same position that Brandon Miller did um, last year. But we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But exciting stuff definitely going on for Alabama basketball. It does not appear that, um, that they are going to be dramatically weaker this upcoming season than last year when they were the number one overall seed heading into the tournament. Um, and uh, boy, it's still, I'm, st I'm still Nate, I'm sure Nate Oates still isn't over that NCAA tournament and just saw all the questions of what might have been uh, because you just don't get teams that talented and that deep that often. And, uh, you know, that, that one, I'm sure, stung for a long time. That'll uh, stun for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could go on and go to the Final Four two or three times and, and win a and national championship, but he will always remember because 23 Yes, he will. And he may end up saying, you know, 
after winning a national championship, you know, the best team I really had was back in 22, 23, <laughs> right? Like, I would not be surprised if, if privately he's thinking, I may never have a team like that. And, uh, and to come up short, very disappointing. But nonetheless, uh, the, the train keeps moving along at, at full speed in Tuscaloosa for uh, basketball just with uh, the recruiting success and even given with the coaching turnover, losing all three of your main assistants and and still having a recruiting class like this is, is really amazing. But Matt, I wanted to ask you um, about tonight's uh, game between LSU and Wake Forest. Uh, the winner is going to move on and play Florida in the finals of the College World Series. And last night... Uh, LSU, they, they go and they beat Wake Forest five to two, and so now they're playing in a, uh, a win in advance game, uh, a, a sudden death game, so to speak, uh, tonight on ESPN at six. Sorry, ESPN two, but each team is facing a real dilemma of uh, starting pitchers. So the Tigers' ace is uh, Paul. Skeens, I think I'm saying that right. Skeens, and then yeah, Wake yeah, Forest Paul, has got loud. Yeah, so so Skeens, he uh, if he were to throw today uh, tonight, he would be on the shortest rest he's had between outings this entire season. That's four days. The shortest number of days of rest he's had so far between starts is five, and he also threw 123 pitches in his last start on Saturday. Uh, against Tennessee, and that was the second most that he's thrown in a game, right? So, like, the, the, the question is, do you throw him? And if you do, how long do you keep him in? And the, th- the thing is, the Demon Deacons ace, Rhett Louder, is in the same situation. He would be on four days rest after he threw 100 pitches against Stanford on Saturday. Um, so both of these guys typically throw around 100 pitches a start. And don't. What I'm thinking is that most likely they both will start and keep the pitch counts low, right? The the managers will keep mm-hmm. keep their pitch like probably around 20. So what you're hoping to get maybe two innings out of each guy? I mean, what what or what? Am I am I diagnosing this right? Do you think they'll get the start these uh, these star pitchers? And do you, do you let them go as long as they feel good, or do you have to shut them down after relatively low pitch count? Well, it, and this is almost apples and oranges, but it just makes me really long for the days Bob Gibson would pitch on two days rest. Uh, uh, pitchers pitching and, and the entire art of it has changed so dramatically. But here's what you do if, if you know, in my opinion, is, is you go to the pitcher, and you get your medical staff there and say, is there any risk whatsoever if we throw him 100 pitches? You check first with the player to make sure that you're not you know, risking anything in the future. And in the case of what these guys did four or five days ago, I don't think that no, there's, there's not going to be an issue. And then, you know, if they go out there and they're throwing their BBs and their sliders, you know, like they have been, you know, let them go. Maybe you put them on a mental 100 pitch. But uh, come on, this is to play for a national championship. Don't risk the player's arm, but don't risk your team's chance of victory by pulling him early. If he's cruising, let him cruise. Both these teams have bullpens. I'll tell you what, 
both these teams also have two through six hitters that can blast it, blow it away. So that will be a really good matchup no matter who pitches it. And so far, people have been able to kind of hand-tie Wake Forest. And as I just go on my, 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 my little baseball rant, um, you also have to remember where LSU's from, their history, their playing in the SEC. The ACC is not the SEC in baseball. Wake Forest is very good. For what I've seen, deserving of a one seed. But they didn't play the kind of schedule LSU did. They don't have the history that LSU... I don't think Wake Forest has been in a college baseball World Series since before, and get this, Lars, I was born. Yeah, <laughs> wow. So, um, wow. Yeah, it's... No, it's... Um, this is a big game. and But then the, the other question is, are you already thinking about playing Florida in the finals? And do you just burn these guys tonight? And because if they do, they're not going to start game one, right? But if you keep them on a low pitch count, say 20, they theoretically could be ready to start game one of the of the best of two it's two out of three in the finals and so you could get them to start game one and then uh come in and maybe pitch a little in game three if they have to but i that, I, that, I, I don't that. I, would that be a consideration i guess you just have to see how the game is going and if one team jumps to a lead do you pull your your star pitcher because you might be able to play, you might be able to plug them in for a game one start. I'm always amazed it like uh, in in Major League Baseball in the playoffs, and it's like the most important at bat of the season, and you got like the seventh guy in, in the in the bullpen going against the backup catcher. Right, I mean, or how depth, they'll reuse yeah, starters? They'll yeah, put starters I mean, in as relievers. And yes, yeah. I mean, it's, why don't yeah, you do that you, during the regular season? <laughs> I mean, that's I a good question. That. That's uh, a good question, but it, it just shows you how important depth is in baseball because yeah, you never it know. Is. And you never know when, you know, especially in games like this when it's going to be highly micromanaged, right? I mean, the manager is going to be on top of everything. And even, you know, he'll be looking at his at his book, right, to see what gives him the most advantageous matchup. And even if it's, you know, if it's barely higher, one guy versus the other, he's going to make that switch. And, uh, and, and so you are potentially going to get deeper. It seems to me in the playoffs, you get deeper into your bench, than you ever do in the regular season. Is that correct? Well, yes, and and there's, you know, the, I realize you got to think about getting to the weekend, but if you don't get there, then however you use your pitchers doesn't matter. Yeah. So if I got a guy out there that's absolutely putting up donuts, I'm going to leave him in until he's physically ready to come out. Uh, because you don't play Saturday if you don't win today. So Who do you like tonight? I like LSU uh, for the reasons I just gave you a minute ago. I, I, Wake has won all but yesterday. I think Wake has been in one-run games every single outing until last night, which was a 5-2 win by LSU. I like Wake. I think it's well, their year. We'll see, well, see, I, I don't think Wake gets past Florida if they win it. I'm a Robbie Glenn guy. Hey, when we get back, we'll be talking to longtime Birmingham sportscaster Mike Radon, Big Noon Sports.
best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. And we also have to fill out a report to talk about where we've been, what we've seen, what we've heard, and then, you know, present some action items. So so that's uh, that's how we communicate those needs. And honestly, and, and I'm not just saying this because I work on the staff, but I've been told that, you know, like, for instance, first time I walked into the mayor's office in Bluntsville, Alabama, he said, never did I expect to have a uh, representative from a sitting senator sit in my office in Bluntsville, Alabama. But that was our that was our charge is to get out to the rural communities and to serve those who have felt like they've been underserved for so many years by some of our legislators. Mike, I'm curious, how many people are on Tuberville staff total and then how many in Alabama? Let me think about that. We have 11 in Alabama. As I mentioned, we have five regional directors. We have four constituent services representatives. We have a senior military analyst in the state because of all the military interests in our state. And then we have a special projects and grants coordinator who does just a wonderful job securing, uh, helping to secure grants for uh, the various you know municipalities, nonprofits, in uh, various other organizations that, that are applying for grants. Then in Washington, I want to say we have about 23 on staff, but I don't know that to be accurate. I, I think that's the number. Mike, how did this happen? How did you? I mean, I know you knew yeah. Tuberville, and you guys. Yeah, had, I, yeah. How was your relationship with Tuberville? It was good. Yeah. I, I remember that. But Tuberville yeah. had good relations with all of us. Relationships. Yeah. yeah, he did. He did. You know, and, and the media really saved his job. You know, after that 2003 season by exposing Jetgate, and then really taking the side of Tuberville, and, um, and they really saved. They did. No, I, I first met. I first met Coach when. Uh, when he was still at Ole Miss, and the rumors were swirling about him coming to Auburn. And um, I told our news director, I said, you know what? I said, I think I found out that uh, that uh, Ole Miss was going to, uh, before the final game of the year against Mississippi State, they were going to practice the day before the game in Tupelo. So I told uh, our news director, I said, I think we need to go to Tupelo and try to ambush Tupperville to get him to admit that he's going to come to Auburn to try to confirm that story, that rumor. And so he said, okay, that's a good idea. So we went over to Tupelo and practice was scheduled at four o'clock and we got there about two 30. We had our big satellite truck and it said back when you had to use those things and it said Alabama's ABC on the side of the truck. <laughs> and so at four o'clock, the Ole Miss buses roll up and as the players are getting off the buses, they're hollering. They see our truck, and they they stay they start hollering War Eagle, because they've heard the rumors too. And so I told my <laughs> photographer, I said, I said, let's hit let's hit coach with a rolling camera. And, and what that means is is the, the camera's always already going to be rolling. We're go, or, already going to be recording. Uh, we're going to have the microphone hot, and I'm going to walk up to him and I'm going to ask him some tough questions. And uh, and so the photographer said, that's great. So. He gets off the bus, and, and I walk up to him, and I introduce myself and told him I was from the ABC station in Birmingham, and I'd like to ask him a few questions. And he said, well, he said, I can't talk talk about that Auburn job. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that. And I said, well, listen, I said, they, they sent me over here, and I said, I go on live at 5 o'clock. 
at the top of the newscast, and I've got to have something to put on TV. How about if I ask you some generic questions? And he said, okay. So the first question I asked him was, so, Coach, when you and your staff are mentioned for other jobs, whether it's in the league or around the country, that are perceived to be better jobs, that's got to be a real compliment to the job you have done at your current school. And he said, yeah, and we feel like we've done a really good job here at Ole Miss, and I've got a great staff. And, you know, sometimes there are some jobs that are just too good to pass up. And I'm thinking, well, did he just confirm that he's coming to Auburn? <laughs> and and uh, I felt like he did. So I went on the, the news that night and reported what he had said. And then, uh, sure enough, he got hired. And then when I saw him in Auburn for the very first time, after he was introduced, we were able to do one-on-one sit-down interviews with him. He, uh, he walked up to me and he goes, how you doing, Scoop? And, uh, and that sort of set the tone for our relationship. And we, we always had a, a respectful relationship while he was there. Um, I criticized him when I had, felt like I had to criticize him. I tell people now, I said, yeah, he got paid millions of dollars to coach at Auburn. And I said, I didn't get paid nearly as well to second guess this um, <laughs> for 10 years. So, um, but we, we did. We, we always had a good relationship. I felt like I treated him fairly, even when I criticized him. And after he left Auburn and he went to Texas Tech and Cincinnati, um, I stayed in touch with him. I would text him. Uh, we would talk from time to time. Before a big game, I would text him good luck. Or after a big win, I would text him congratulations. And then when I found out if he was running for Senate, I texted him and I said, listen, I don't know if there's anything I can do to help, but I'll be happy to help you however I can. And so one day out of the blue in April of 2020, he calls me up and he goes, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, well, I don't, I don't have anything going on. And he goes, well, I have to go to Huntsville for a campaign thing. and I'm going to be there all day. Do you want to ride along? And I said, sure, I'll ride with you. And he goes, well, we're going to be there all day. We're going to take the Tuberville for Senate bus. You remember he had this big RV yeah. and on the sides it said Tuberville for Senate. He said it's parked outside Lloyd's Restaurant on 280. So we're going to meet there at 830. We're going to leave at 9. I said, okay, I'll be there. So I get there at 820 because I didn't want to be late. Of course, he's already there. So uh, so about 830, he says, all right, let's load up. So I look around. I get the bus. It's just me and him. So I get the bus. And I go a couple rows back and I sit down. He goes, where are you going? I said, well, I'm, I'm going to sit down. And he goes, well, sit there. And he points to the passenger seat. And I said, well, where are you going to sit? He goes, hell, I'm driving the bus. <laughs> so he did. He, he, he drove the bus up to Huntsville. And uh, we stopped in Coleman to get fuel. And um, he said, you pump and I'll pay. So $176 later, he comes out. Uh, he says, let's pull around to the front when he gets up to drink. So we pull around. We get out of the bus. We're walking to the convenience store. And we just happened to look around. And that bus was parked on just the slightest slope. And it's starting to roll away. <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, well, would you look at that? And he walks over, he stays, keeps cool, walks over, gets in the bus, puts it in park, and he comes out and he's laughing. And he goes, wouldn't that have been a great story? How's this guy <laughs> going to be a senator when he can't even drive a bus? And I said, no, coach. I said, it's because you're willing to drive the bus that you can be the senator. He, he is the same guy, Matt and Lars, that I met 25 years ago. The money hasn't changed him. The success he had as a coach hasn't changed him. And certainly the prestige that he has now as a senator, United States senator, a senior senator in Alabama, that's not changed him either. He's still approachable, he's still humble, and he still has common sense. He hasn't been he hasn't been jaded yet, which which I love. 
Well, I think we just found out why he why he hired Mike Rada. <laughs> Mike, are you driving back? Can can we keep you and talk sports on the other side of this break? Absolutely, sure. I'd be happy right. to. Yeah, let's dive into some sports with Mike Rada coming up on Big Noon Sports. Welcome back into Big News Sports, guys. Take it away. Hey, guys. Okay, when we get yeah. back, we'll continue with more Def Leppard. Um, <laughs> Mike Rayday is our guest, a uh, long time with Channel 6 and then with 3340. Now he's with the Tommy Tuberville team, Senator Tommy Tuberville. Uh, enjoyed the last few minutes, but hey, Mike, let's talk some sports. What concerns you the most about college football right now, knowing full well I, I can scope it down to a couple problems? Yeah, I think, you know, the business, the business piece of it, um, you know, first of all, I, well, I have, I have several opinions on, on a lot of that, but, um, I think first of all, the entitlement that we're seeing now 
with coaches and with players uh, to me is, is really disheartening. Um, you know, money was always a factor in the game, but obviously in the last 15, 20 years, money has just dominated talk in the sport, whether it's from the coaching salaries or from the NIL or from the TV contracts. Money seems to be, they, it seems like we spend more time talking about money and how realignment affects money than an NIL and, and coaching salaries than we do about the actual gains on the field. And I think that's really unfortunate. I, I was never so naive to think that college athletics and, and football in particular was pure and uh, purely amateur. I always thought it was semi-professional. But uh, but today it's it's not semi-professional anymore. It's professional. And uh, and so I, th- I find that disheartening. I and, and I'm afraid that some of that is starting to filter down into the high schools, too. In fact, it, it is starting to filter down into the high schools. And I'm surprised there's not – I'm surprised ESPN hasn't come up with ESPN HS instead of ESPNU or in addition to, um, just because I, I think that's where it's headed. And when you go around and you see some of the facilities and all the money that's being spent on some of the facilities in high school sports, it's – you know, I, I just – I just have to believe that it creates a divide between the regular student population and the athletic student population. And then this whole concept of student athletes in college to me is laughable. I've always said that I think if they wanted to be realistic and if they wanted to be honest, what they would do is they would create majors geared to a specific sport. You could major in football, you could major in basketball, and you could major in baseball or whatever the case. And within those majors, you would learn not just nuances of your sport and be able to train a little bit more than than the normal student would, but you would also learn life lessons and life skills that help prepare you for when you don't make it to the NBA or to the NFL or to Major League Baseball. You know, skills like how to to balance a household budget, Um, skills like how to communicate effectively with an employer. Uh, just all these different things that I think would be so beneficial to so many college athletes who are sold the prospect of going professional when in reality the the percentage of that is just so, so small. So those are just a couple of, you know, opinions I have on sort of the direction of, of where college athletics is going or has gone. Mike, I want to uh, follow up with uh, asking you about NIL and I'm really asking for your opinion, not not the senators, uh, because yeah. I, I know Senator Tuberville is a part of trying to craft something. But what are the odds in your mind that some sort of federal legislation gets passed that would put guardrails, that's the hot word, uh, that would put guardrails and regulations on NIL and these, teen, and these collectives and make it so players aren't going to the highest bidder, which is certainly appears to be the case right now. But Lars, hasn't that really always been the case? <laughs> well, yes, yes, good point. A supporter yeah. of NIL legislation and um, and he has, you know, tried to collaborate with, with Joe Manchin and Senator Wicker from Mississippi and, um, you know, we've had the delegations from both University of Alabama and Auburn University's office talking about this issue. Um, so he is for some sort of legislation. 
but but trying to iron out the details of what that would look like is is going to be impossible. That's yeah. my opinion. It's yeah. just going to be very very difficult to get everyone on the same page. But there, I, in my opinion, is there does have to be some sort of some sort of uniform code that that everybody should have to follow. You know, in addition to the NIL issue, you know, the transfer portal is also yeah. you know a major major piece of that because. You know, you got people who are, who are, you know, I was watching the College World Series. I'm a big fan of college baseball. I was watching the College World Series, and I've heard several, I've heard the announcer say to about several players, this is their fourth school. Now, now there's something wrong with that. When, when a guy is going to four different schools in a five-year college career, it just, it just boggles my mind. How is that possible? And it's, listen, when I was 18 years old, I was a pretty good soccer player, and I got recruited by some pretty good schools. Cleveland State at the time was a top 20 school. North Texas was a top 20 school. I ended up signing a letter of intent with the University of Cincinnati. It was the first soccer scholarship ever given to the University of Cincinnati. And I went there for two years, and I was miserable for two years. So I quit school, and I sat out a year. I sat out a year of school. I didn't go to school anywhere. Then I transferred because I knew I would never make it as a professional player, I transferred to a school that I thought would be the best opportunity to earn a degree in the field that I wanted to pursue, and that was Ohio University. And um, they didn't have a great team. It was a good team, but it wasn't a great team, and I wasn't on scholarship. But when I went to play for Ohio University, I had to sit out another year because I was a transfer, which was wrong. Um, I'd already sat out a year where I didn't get to play, and now I was having to sit out a year while I attended school and didn't get to play again. My point here is that when you're 18 years old and you're being recruited and somebody's telling you how great you are and how good you're going to be and your future is limitless, you want to, you want to believe that. And so you're going to choose that school for a variety of reasons, but, but mostly it's ego. So you choose that school and you go to that school and you're not happy. Now you're 18 years old and you're making a decision that probably is going to impact who you marry, where you live and what kind of job you land. So those are three big life decisions when you're 18 years old. And you're not equipped to make that decision because you haven't lived, you haven't seen how the world works. Then you go to college and you realize, well, this isn't the place for me. I think you should be allowed to transfer one time for free. After that, you have to sit out. You have to pay a penalty. But I think there should be one freebie. You should get one do-over. And then after that, you have to pay a penalty. Were Mike, a, I love it. No, I sorry. love it when the guys transfer twice and don't play a down or a snap or a basket for either team. Just <laughs> drives, just drives me absolutely crazy. Didn't you dabble and maybe try and play professionally like in Europe? Have I got that wrong? I did. I know I did. I played. Uh, I played in uh, in Germany for a year. Uh, I played on the. Uh, it was. It was in what was. It's, uh, this league is is no longer uh, in Germany, but at the time it was called the Oberliga, and it was the uh, third division in Germany, and it was the Stuttgarter Kickers, and so um, so I was able to uh, to play for them, and and that's when I realized one hundred point nine Tuscaloosa weather. Well, some <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. I keep I'm going. Sorry, Mike. Continue. Mike. Okay. Just a minor I'm, I'm technical sorry. interruption. <laughs> no, no worries. I'm used to it. I, I worked at thirty three forty for a lot of years. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> so uh, so no, I realized at that time that I wasn't I wasn't ever going to be able to make a living doing it. I, I did come home and tried out for the 
the North American uh, Soccer League's Detroit Express, and I was invited to, to play on their travel or their uh, taxi squad. I wouldn't travel. They would pay me $400 a, a month, and uh, and I'd have to move to Detroit. And I was like, no, it's time to time to rethink my career path and, and go back to college. <laughs> Mike, um, I think one of the reasons, and you, you kind of mentioned this earlier, that, that viewers really appreciated you and liked you was that you didn't, you didn't give, you didn't spit any BS. Like you were you and, uh, and you weren't afraid to go after people. And what I think a lot of people remember you for is one or what, uh, what, uh, I've been, you know, been told about because I wasn't living here at the time, but it was when you confronted uh, Dennis Francione after he left yeah. Alabama without saying goodbye yeah. uh, and bolted for Texas A&M. Can you just give us the backstory of that and 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 how that all transpired? Yeah, that was a uh, that was a brilliant moment in my career uh, because because I think what it did is it endeared me to Alabama fans who I think for a while there weren't weren't sure about me and and probably. You know, 2020 hindsight, they're probably still not sure about me, especially now that I'm working for, for <laughs> Coach Coverville. But, but no, um, well, you know, the, the rumors had been swirling that he was going to go to Texas A&M, of course. And, um, in fact, one of the sportscasters in Birmingham um, had Franchoni on his newscast. Uh, in I think it was in Franchoni's backyard saying that, no, I'm, I'm staying in Alabama. But, but the rumors just wouldn't go away. And so I called Mike McKenzie, and, and at the time, I, I don't know if you remember that name, Mike McKenzie was sort of Dennis's, uh, for lack of a better term, I, I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging Mike, but he was sort of his valet. He was sort of his caddy. He was what Bob Lockerbie was to Paul Feinbaum for a lot of years. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I'm Whoa. sure there's some people out there that would get that reference. Yeah, so some people I called just up, I called up <laughs> <laughs> I called up Mike and I asked him and, and I was talking to him about this Texas A and M thing and, and Mike said to me, he said, if there was one job that Frantoni would leave Alabama for, it's Texas A&M. On that. And Mike McKenzie called me afterward and threatened to sue me for libel. And I said, Mike, I said, I got the notes right here. Um, but he was so hot. And I went in and I told my news director, I said, this guy's, this guy's way too mad. If this isn't true, he's just way too mad. He shouldn't be this mad if it's not true. So he said, you need to get on a plane and go to College Station. Because the, the rumor was that Fran was going to fly there the next day and sign the contract and then be introduced the day after that. So we did. We got on a plane. We flew to Houston. We drove like hell to get to College Station before Fran's plane landed. We got there about three hours before the plane landed. And then as Fran, Fran disembarked from this private jet, he looked up and he saw me. And, and I swear to God, he went white. His uh, eyes got big and his mouth dropped. And, and then I just hounded him. I hounded him through the airport. And then I hounded <laughs> him to the, to the president's mansion. And on the doorstep of the president's mansion, as they were opening the door trying to get him in the mansion, I kept asking him questions about the way he left Alabama. Not that he left Alabama. Listen, everybody's got a right to choose their career path. I got no problem with that. But when you when you talk to kids about holding the rope 
and you and you convince all these kids to stay when they could have transferred because of these NCAA violations, and you convince them to stay, and you get them to buy in, and then you and then you up and leave on them, that was just wrong. And so, um, so yeah, so that's how all that. Me, Alabama fans, and and uh, I saw Fran about two or three years after that at the Georgia Dome, and you know, and I told him, I said, listen, Fran, I, I was probably pretty hard on you. I, I apologize. He goes, oh, he goes, that's all right. He goes, I I made some you know bad decisions and and how I did that, so it's all good. So we uh, we kissed and made up. Um, <clears throat> I don't know personally if you offer you need to do a pot. <clears throat> he, you need you to apologize to him, period. But um, yeah, well, you're probably he right. doesn't need to. He doesn't need to try and find. He doesn't need to go to Archibalds tomorrow, does he? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He sure doesn't. <laughs> Mike, uh, what a great thirty minutes. Appreciate yeah, thank it. you Appreciate so much all for your you time. Do. And um, I'm sorry it's been so long. We won't let this happen again. Well, no, Matt. I get to see you from time to time, and it's yeah. always good, whether it's at a foreigner concert or at a high school football game or a Christmas dinner. So I always like yes, to see you and, and Lars, maybe our paths will cross as well. Yeah, absolutely. All three are true. Thanks, Mikey. We'll see you soon. All right. Y'all take care. All right. Well, Mike Rada, uh, what an absolutely compelling 30 minutes. Uh, yeah. Thank you for your time, Mike. Uh, let's take a break. When we get back, we'll wrap up this edition of Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union on Morning. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Cashback is not a 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Well, summer started officially yesterday, but it's starting to finally feel more like it by the weekend. Not today, though. Clouds hanging tough. Chance of a shower and thunderstorm behind your 81. Clearing skies tonight with a low near 64. And for Friday, more sun, warmer with a high of 86. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 83 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big News Sports, Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson. want to thank our guest, Mike Rada, and earlier in the show, we had Brian Passing talk uh, about Brandon Miller, the NBA, and what is going to happen tonight. Lars, it's not as big a deal, certainly, as uh, when they cordon off, was it Kansas City most recently, or is it Vegas, yeah. Nashville? Yeah. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a moneymaker for the NFL now. But uh, I'll be very honest with you. I don't even know where they're holding this. Is it in New York? I, I don't know okay. either. Then I don't feel so bad. Uh, yeah, Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. All right. So today is June 22nd, 2023. And believe it or not, even though we are in the slowest time of sports, uh, a lot of things throughout history have happened on this day, sports history. Uh, I'm sure you were ringside in 1939 when uh, Joe Lewis defeated Max Schmeling in 124 seconds. Remember that one? Yeah, sure uh, do. Uh, <laughs> no, that, was, that was actually a big. It was a big deal uh, back in the I day. Was working, I was working for a station in Pittsburgh. No. <laughs> uh, in 1990, Billy Joel became the first rock artist to perform at Yankee Stadium. Kind of interesting. Um, Eric Lindros was selected first overall in 1991 by the Quebec Nordiques. 
Do you think Lindros is Lindros one of the top? Is yeah? Do you think he's one of the top five uh, uh, NHL players? Of course, I'm a Flyers guy, so I would say that. But I mean, the great the great one is just above everybody. But yeah, uh, yeah. But the the thing about Lindros when he came in that was I, I think noteworthy is that while he could skate, he was big. I mean, he was a linebacker. And um, he was, a, is there, if there's such a thing, he was a five-tool hockey player. Yeah, he was just, he could have been a, a, an amazing athlete in, sort or, or athlete in any, could have been amazing in any sport. I mean, he I guy agree. just was uh, so special. Uh, on this date in 2002, so it was 21 years ago, can't believe it was 21 years ago, that uh, Daryl Kyle, a uh, pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, was found dead in his hotel room. Mm. And um, do, I'm sure you remember that. It was, uh, the Cardinals were in Chicago and uh, and uh, he passed away. Daryl Kyle did uh, at age 33 of coronary artery disease. And he was the first major league active player to die during the regular season since 79 when Thurman Munson passed away in a plane crash. And I, I do remember Thurman Munson uh, passing away. That was incredibly sad. But so is this Daryl Kyle story. But on a little on a, on a higher note, back in 2003, so it was 20 years ago today, uh, Michelle Wee won her first USGA title at the age of 13, and she became the youngest person to win any USA, USGA event in history. So Michelle Wee, 20 years ago, so, so that means she's only 33, um, and we just you haven't heard much about Michelle Wee in recent years, have you? You know, um, she kind of burst onto the scene, obviously. When you're 13, you're winning professional golf tournaments. You're, you're going to get a lot of attention. But uh, and, and for a while, people were talking about her becoming so good, she'd just go ahead and get on the PGA. In fact, did she not play at least one tournament? I know Sorenstam did once or maybe twice. I can't remember whether we ever played with the men's tournament or not, but she was that good that to deserve that conversation. But... Uh, you know, when you have that kind of success when you're 13 years old, I don't have any actual documentation in front of me. Sometimes you burn out. And I, she, I don't um, know, Lars, your thoughts. I, I, I kind of so think she, that's what happened to her. I still she, see her on tour, though, don't I? No. Um, oh. Well, okay, so she did participate in men's events, which was a, and it garnered so much publicity. Um, but she never made a cut on the PGA Tour um, and uh, she missed the cut at the 2007 Sony Open by 14 shots. And that was when critics began to say, okay, this isn't going to happen for her. Um, she did make one cut on the Asian tour at a rain-shortened event in 2006. But, um, yeah, so in 2014... Uh, she won her first major championship. She won the U.S. Women's Open. And then she retired from the game following the 2022 Women's Open. So, you know, we, we thought that she was maybe going to be one of the, the greatest of all time. Um, but, uh, you know, she ended up just with five LPGA Tour wins in her career. And boy, if you would have taken the over-under you know, back in, in 2005 on on how many wins that she would have. And I, I would have put it at about 12 or 14 
uh, total wins, probably even higher than that, maybe 15, yeah. 20. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen. But um, but she is a yeah, multi-gazillionaire because but, of the video game, right? Yes. And, but sticking with golf, you got a great JT story. I don't know how much of this I can get in. I have to be careful about how I word it. But he was playing at the Travelers with, who else? Wyndham Clark, U.S. Open winner. And Clark hit a ball onto the green. It was pretty close to the cup. And I, I, I guess uh, JT was over to the other side of the fairway. And Clark asked him to go up 80 yards and mark his ball uh, for fear that JT might hit it. You understand it, but really? And he said, <clears throat> what did he say? Guy wins the U.S. Open and thinks he blank and owns the course or something like that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. There's, That's great. It's just JT being JT. He was, he was joking, but he didn't realize it was a, a hot mic was going to catch it. Um, but, uh, yeah, JT, just keep being JT. And... Uh, I'm sure his game will turn around. Well, uh, Tiger wasn't really aware that all cameras were on when he uh, handed JT a little present uh, after their drives in that tournament they played in, uh, what, about two months That's ago? That's right, so, yeah. You know, we have to acutely be aware, uh, whether you're in your car, you're walking outside, I don't know, even in, inside your house, particularly if you're a celebrity, a professional golfer, baseball player, you better walk around with, a sw with your head on a swivel, just like Ricky Bobby did. <laughs> so remember that. Advice from Big Noon Sports. All right. Good job. All right. Uh, hey, let's talk some stallions tomorrow. Jace Sternberger, who, by the way, has caught a touchdown pass every weekend we've had him on. So playoff Sunday night. Hey, thank you, Sep. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You've been listening to Big Noon Sports.